Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This is part three in that series. If you missed the first two, then you can certainly go and see them at our Metro Church WA YouTube channel. They're all there for you. By the way, next Sunday, I'm starting a series called Called and Chosen. I think it's one of the most important things for any believer to understand for their life, not to get a category, not to be able to put their life into some kind of a a, a title, but to be able to journey through seasons of difficulty into the fullness of what God has for you. And the Apostle Paul starts off almost every epistle he writes talking about the fact that he's called of God. You've got to ask yourself, why did he make such a feature of that? I believe it's because having started well, he wanted to do well and then he wanted to finish well. And so I believe that it's very difficult to do that, facing the obstacles that you'll face and the challenges that come, unless you know for yourself that God's call is on your life. If you don't know that God is there for you, you'll be defending yourself and doing a whole lot of other stuff that'll lead you to a a worse place. And so that's coming up next Sunday. Be a part of that for sure. But today, I want to speak to you about a woman who goes from a mess to a miracle. So let's start in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. Nothing against the doctors. One was leading you this morning. But she'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. But when she'd heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch only his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples, who were seldom switched on, the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? But he looked around to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came down and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Should we speak about faith? Oh, absolutely. When you hear the words of Jesus, say to someone, it was your faith that has changed your mess into this miracle. I believe we can never talk too much about faith. I believe in talking about faith when things are going well. And I believe in talking about faith when things are going hard. I believe in listening to sermons on faith. I believe in praying in faith. And I believe in talking to myself, uh, things of faith as well. Because he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman goes from a mess to a miracle. There are five stages in this story, and I think there are five stages that will be there. I'm not trying to be simplistic about it. I just think we can learn a lot out of this story. 
story. It's put in the Bible, not so you can read and go, oh, isn't that lovely? Oh, what a beautiful thing happened way back there for that woman. Everything that's in there, according to uh, 1 Corinthians, is it happened as an example for every one of us. So her story is meant to teach me something about my life. And I don't know how many of you are in a mess right now or how many of you are in need of a miracle, but I'll guarantee this much that at some point or other of your life, you will be in a place like that where you'll be saying, God, I need your help in my life. I need you to intervene in my family or I need you to intervene in my body. I need you to intervene in my business world. Whatever it may be, these five stages that this lady goes through are ones that we're going to have to go through, I believe, if we want to see a mess become a miracle. So let me give them to you quite simply. Stage one is hopeless. That's pretty good news, isn't it, right there? It's hopeless, but hope keeps hoping. There's something about hope that even when it's hopeless, hope keeps hoping even though it's hopeless. It says about Abraham, it says uh, that being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. But the beginning of that passage says this, it says, even though it was hopeless, he kept on hoping. He kept hoping against hope. The prerequisite for a miracle is a miracle-sized problem. Now that's just simple, I know, but lots of times when we get into a miracle-sized problem, we don't think about a miracle coming our way, we think about how big the problem is, or how long we've had it, or how difficult it is, or how much people have told us that we'll never get any better. But hopeless for a person of hope is not the end of the story, it's just where they are right now. It's just simply the environment or the landscape. You know, I've flown, I've travelled, I've gone on trains, planes, automobiles, all kinds of things. You never ever think that the scenery as you look out that plane is the total picture. It's all you'll ever see. You know that scenery changes and the scenery will change in your life. Listen to me, some of you here that are married and right now the scenery of your marriage is one of desert and dryness. It's one of difficulty and potholes and brokenness and dead things. But I'm telling you, if you keep on journeying, the scenery is going to change. If you're a young person here, you say, I don't know, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to complete my uni course. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to be the success I dreamed of. Right now, I just you know, got a fail on my last set of exams or assignment or whatever. And I don't have anybody in the family, oh my, me, whatever. Whatever the scenery is right now, understand that scenery changes. The prerequisite for a miracle is a miracle-sized problem. Verse 26 tells us about this lady that she'd suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So how many maybes had this woman encountered? How many moments of, I, you know, someone told me and she'd step out and she'd pay the cost She'd spend the money until eventually she's down to her very last 
uh, a dollar, as it were. She's got nothing left. But because hope lives in her, she says, I'm going to keep, yeah, I'll try one more thing. But unfortunately for her, even the one more thing brings no relief at all. Matter of fact, according to the scripture, it actually gets worse. It's not even stopped. It's not alleviated at all. I know people in this church that were told about their family. Give up, it'll never happen. This, this situation will never change. We're, Ron and I were talking this morning about uh, someone we were with, Pastor Fowl, at the launch of our daughter church, really Crossroads. We're at the launch last night and some of you were there for that. And uh, someone that we knew who I remember when their baby was born and they said this, this child probably is not going to live. But you know, a bunch of people got in there and began to pray. Well, now that girl is 19 years old. And I still remember the story because they told me about it, that the doctor at the end of uh, the conclusion of all this wrote on her medical record, this child is a miracle. Why? Because hope keeps on hoping. It's just the way it is. No relief. It's worse. What's going to happen? And yet the reality is that hope keeps on hoping. That's stage one. So if you're in that place today, you're not in a, a forgotten place. You're not in a God-deserted place. You're in the place where God actually is about to take work and start to be active in that spot. Hope keeps hoping. Stage two. Stage two is that hope keeps listening. Verse 27 says, when she had heard of Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, everybody in Israel had heard of Jesus. If you read the Gospels, you'll discover he is the talk of the town. Everyone has heard about him. It says that crowds, remember the feeding of the 5,000? 5,000 people came bursting out of all the cities and towns because they'd heard about Jesus and ran out even into a desert. They'd gone out into the middle of Kalgoorlie to find this saviour, this preacher, this miracle worker. They'd gone out there chasing him, forgetting to even take food. Such was the buzz about Jesus. Such was the social media frenzy that was going on that they went out there. Everybody had heard of Jesus. But apparently only one woman was listening for that other voice. I think about this because I remember being a young man and I must have heard the gospel hundreds of times. But I remember being in one service in the Salvation Army in Nanda and I remember hearing a different voice. I remember listening and realising that there was something more and so I heard the good news of Jesus. I heard about a certain eternity I heard about sins forgiven and a new beginning and a new life. And then I heard later on about the thousands of promises that are in this book. And you know, something sparked. I heard something that changed my life. Had I heard it before? Oh, I'm sure I had. But that day I remember I heard it. Are you still listening to that inner voice? 
the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm reading a book at the moment. Well, it's one of a few, but it's a book called The Signal and the Noise. It's not a Christian book. It's a book about by, I don't know, psychologist, statistician. I don't know what it really is. It hasn't really bothered me. But he's talking about how so often in our world, there's so much noise, we miss the signal. So it talks about a lot of the things like GFC and the collapse of the uh, housing market and all the stuff that flowed on from that. Talks about how there was a, the signal was there, but it got drowned out by the noise. 9-11 and all that happened there, the signal was there. The, this is common knowledge, but it got drowned out by the noise. And I want to challenge you in this time we're in right now, are you hearing the signal or is all you're hearing the noise? Are you hearing the signal? Are you hearing what God is doing right now? Or are you so occupied with what everyone else is doing that all you're getting is noise? Amen? My Bible says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so if that's the case, then no matter what noise is about, let me tell you, there is a signal that says Jesus is still on the throne, that says that God is still in charge, that still says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the earth and all they that dwell therein. It says to me that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Therefore, I know I am living in the greatest time there's ever been for the gospel of Jesus Christ when six Muslims in Albania will say yes to Jesus and many others have joined that group saying, will you tell us about Christ? When I'm sitting in that kind of a space, I want to make sure I'm hearing the signal. Because this much I know, hope is listening for something other than just the yabba-jabber blabber. And I just made that up. You know what I mean? A friend of mine used to say, opinions are like armpits. Now, this is a bit Aussie here, so let me just cut straight through it. For those of you that are not raised in this country, you'll find this one a little bit maybe crass. Uh, but it's very Aussie because we just say what we think generally. He says, opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got them and most of them stink. <laughs> Cut through the noise and make sure you listen. I'm not having a shot at anything or anyone. I'm not against opinions. Ask my wife. She has a lot of opinions. <laughs> I'm forever saying, send them an email. Don't tell me about it. We both sit there and we take turns at ready to get the television, knowing full well they can't hear anything and they don't care anyway. But we're there going, you know. So I'm not against opinions. Have a lot of them. Just make sure that the biggest thing you hear is signal, not noise. This woman, when she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus, see, hope is listening for something that everyone else misses. Isn't that right? Here's stage number three. Hope imagines a different future. Verse 28, if only I may touch Buddy's clothes, I shall be made well. Do you know what this woman's dreaming of? She's not dreaming of more disappointment, more problems. This woman is dreaming of being well. You see, because of the condition she had by the law of Moses that she lived under, she's not able to go home. 
She's not can't go to any party she wants to. She's ceremonially unclean and everything she touches becomes unclean. And so for this woman, her whole life has been imprisoned in this issue that she's had. Now, we might laugh at it now and go, so ridiculous that is. Well, I'd say there's a lot of laws that have been ridiculous down through history. She just happens to live under that one. And here is this woman kept captive in everything she wanted to do. And yet that's the brilliance of hope in her life is that she's not seeing all that could have happened and should have happened, nor the people. I meet so many people that pull out every week the list of their disappointments and who hurt them last and what went wrong. And that far, I've met people whose failures go back nearly 30 years and within 20 minutes of talking to them, they're telling you about that thing again. I'm not saying that there's no pain or that there's things that are hard to deal with in life. But come on, if you're a person of hope, you're looking up to a different future. You're seeing something that can be. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Second sentence, second phrase of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is saying to his disciples, because they've asked him, tell us how to pray. And the second phrase that he gets them to pray is this, I'm imagining a different future. Try it again. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus says to his disciples, can't you see? That's why I'm here, he says. I'm here because I'm bringing kingdom of heaven to this earth. He didn't say, oh, well, when we die, we'll all get there. We all know that. That's awesome. Thank God for a certain eternity. But Jesus never said, pray that you get saved and die quick. Jesus said, pray thy will be done on earth. I think it's got to be one of the most outlandish statements of the entire New Testament. Because Jesus wasn't teaching them to pray something because it sounded elegant, because it was a beautiful elocution and a lovely phrase worthy of Shakespeare. He's saying it because he's saying that's the way you ought to think. That's why the disciples, when they get filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they go out because he said, go into all the world and none of them have been more than 70 Ks from the house. And they all go, yes, we'll go into all the world. And Christians have been doing it ever since. Christians have been doing it ever since. Christians have been doing it ever since. I was telling Teza, uh, our business manager this week, she's from Trinidad. And I was telling her a story I just read about Count Zinzendorf of the Moravian Brethren which is probably something you've all read about. He was a count, like a proper aristocracy kind of a dude. But he got radically born again. So he decided that he was going to follow Jesus 100%. He ended up starting a community of believers that started a prayer chain that went 24 hours a day, wait for it, for 300 years without a break. Not him, he didn't last that long. They've sent out the first missionaries. They heard about there was a slave came out of the plantations of the Caribbean. And he said to Count Zinzendorf, oh, that somebody would send missionaries to my people. 
So two young men, I think they were Dutch or German, they put their hands up and they said, we want to go. It took them a year to get ready. And then the Danish government, because they were going to go out of a port in Denmark, the Danish government said, no, you can't go. We're not going to let you go. So they found another way to get there. Off they go to the Caribbean. When they turn up, they said, we want to become slaves. Because we want to reach these people for Christ. The plantation owners said, no, that'll never happen. We're not going to let you become slaves. You're white men. They said, all right, then, if you won't let us be slaves, we will do the lowest jobs possible. When Count Zinzendorf turned up, I think it was five years later, there's 600 people in the church that's been formed out of two men who said, I'll go into all the world. Why? Because they could see a different future. Can you see something different than where you are right now? Come on. As a church, I'm hoping you are. I'm hoping you're celebrating these stories that we keep bringing to you about the things in Albania or in Italy or in remote parts of, of Australia or even in your next suburb. I pray that as a church, we are saying, I see what other people don't see. Can you see the miracle that God sees or are you only seeing the mess everyone else sees? Jesus went to the cross seeing a redeemed world. Father, I pray not only for these, but for all them that shall believe on their word. And ever since then, the church has continued to roll on despite every obstacle, every difficulty, every uh, philosophy that's arraigned against it. And we will continue just the same. It'll make no difference. Because hope imagines a different future. Here's stage four. Stage four is that hope speaks answers. Verse 28, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I'll be made well. She's not talking about all that's wrong and all the difficulty. I'm not, I'm not suggesting pretending, by the way. I think pretending is useless. But I am saying I can allow my conversation if I want. It can be about the answers. See, I've got one up on you in this sense, is that I knew I was going to preach this for about the last week and a half. And so I've been in so many conversations, I can't tell you how many, where I've checked myself and gone, are you speaking the answers here or are you just joining in the noise? Hope speaks answers. Here's stage five. Stage five is that hope takes action. Verse 27, she touched his garment. It's the moment of truth, isn't it? Are you going to let disappointment, fear, you know, what you think, your reasoning, are you going to let that win? Or will you let hope and faith win the day? Rhonda and I laugh sometimes because I've lost count of how many people have said to me, Pastor, when I win lotto, probably about every couple of weeks, someone said to me, Pastor, when I win, by the way, this church is not, it's not like we encourage people to go buy lottery tickets, you know what I mean, but... You know, I guess people do. And, uh, you know, someone said, when, when I win a lot, I'm going to buy the church this or that. It's lovely. And, and I, I always say, thank you very much. I'll serve when I get my career off the ground. I'll serve when my kids are growing up. I'll step out into what God's called me to when I retire. 
And then one day they take their last breath and it was too late. Amen. I'll give when I win a lotto. I'd much rather you start now with whatever you have. Amen. I'll reach my neighbours. When I know more, why don't you just reach them with the level of knowledge you've got now? Amen. Why don't you just say, I'll, I'll try and be. I was telling uh, Rashida, who's side stage here with us today. Uh, you know, we had dinner with Bruce and Rosemary Downs, the Catholic guy, the other night. and uh, We never asked them to do this, but... Uh, Sebastiano and Rashida had been going looking after their children of their ministry every Sunday afternoon for about the last year. Wouldn't take any money for it. They said, we want to do this to serve. And Bruce was telling me just the other night, he said, you know, our team talk about them and say, they're real Christians. <laughs> Not quite sure what they're used to, but... And, you know, if you go and ask them, they're probably not saying, well, you know, we know it all. They're just saying, we'll take what we do have and we'll do something with it. Amen. Hope takes action. Don't wait. I don't know what it is you might be waiting for. Take appropriate action now. You see, hope speaks four languages. Hope speaks the language of answers. Check your conversation today. Is this the way you talk? Hope speaks the language of answers. Hope speaks the language of certainty. I will be made whole. I'm going to be made well. Thirdly, hope speaks the language of creativity. Nobody else had ever done that. In every other case prior to this woman's act, Jesus had been the active part of the equation. He'd been the one who reached out and put forth his hand and touched them saying, I will be thou made clean. He'd been the one who'd spoken to the centurion sir. This is the first time where Jesus is the passive part of the miracle. And no one had ever done it before. It's not like she could go and read Mark 5 and say, I know how it'll turn out. She had no idea. I find that people that are godly are not sticking the mud, rigid, bound up with some kind of, you know, rule-based mentality. I find the opposite. I find people that are godly and filled with the Holy Spirit, are incredibly creative in the way they think about how do we reach people the best? How do we do something? You all here are used to what we call yes text, whereby people make a commitment to come to Christ. I grew up in the Billy Graham era. Just as I am without. And Billy Graham standing behind the pulpit. waiting while the crowds begin to stream forward. Well, that was then and this is now and no one says that you've got to keep doing things the same way. And so now we have yes text and people can click on a button on metrochurch.online and someone will say to me, well, does that really mean anything? Is that, you know, how do we know? I go, you know, just the same as you would know if someone walked forward in a Billy Graham meeting. Only God knows the heart. We trust God. We're not doing it to amass numbers or any other such thing. We're doing it because we want people to be able to say yes to Jesus. We want to remove all the obstacles we can because we know that if you will allow Christ into your life, we know you will be changed. Amen. We know you'll be born again. You know, you will become a new creature in Christ. 
and you don't become a new creature in Christ because you've followed all the Roman road and the four spiritual laws and the whole stuff. You might get born again that way or you might just get born again because one day you said, God help me. A good friend of mine was in jail in solitary confinement. He'd been at a Billy Graham crusade, sat there mocking through the entire thing saying how rubbish it was. And look at all these hoodwinked, brainwashed people streaming forward. But then he got sentenced to jail. After that, then for various reasons I won't go into, he gets put into solitary confinement. And while he's in that place with no one but himself, he says all he could hear was the words of Billy Graham saying, you can be saved, you can be saved, you can be saved. And so all by himself in a solitary confinement prison cell, he said his yes to Jesus and it transformed his life. I, I was driving him around at a lot of schools in Queensland many years ago where he'd stand up and tell his story about what Jesus had done. He's still alive, still serving God. See, hope speaks the language of creativity. Hope doesn't say, well, you know, I tried that and it didn't work. It goes, maybe there's another way. Fourthly, hope speaks the language of action. I wrote this down and I'll put it up for you because I think all of us need sometimes to just get a reality check from God. See, I believe that we will, I believe, I believe that we'll all come out of this stronger, not weaker. I believe that. I believe we'll come out of all of this blessed, not bamboozled. For those of you who don't know that word, it means confused or uncertain. We'll come out of it blessed, not bamboozled, not bitter, not bereft, not having lost stuff. We'll come out of all of this increased, not decreased. We'll come out of this healthier, happier, and faith-filled. We'll come out of this more in love with Jesus, not less. Because God wants to take all of us from a mess to a miracle. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for every person that's hearing this a part of this somewhere or other around the world or right here in front of me. Lord, thank you for them, each one. Thank you for those up in the parents' room here and those down in kids' church. Thank you for every person that is being affected today by the sound of your word. But God, I pray that every single one of us will become not just someone touched by hope, but will become someone who carries hope to the people around about us. Not in some obnoxious way, Lord, but in a godly and a wise way, just allowing hope to flow out of us into the lives of people. Lord, this world is in need of you more than it's ever been. And I thank you, Lord, that right now you are sweeping the globe. You're not sitting in heaven withholding blessing, withholding any outpouring, but rather, God, you're outpouring in the middle of all of this. People all around the world are turning their thoughts towards you like never before. And God, we pray that you will help us to be a part of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I pray that that'll touch your life and let you go out of here today saying, I'm going to let hope become the signature, the stamp on my life. When people think about me, they'll go, that person, you know, there's just something different about the way they live their life. 
It all begins, any one of us here will tell you, it all begins with accepting Christ as your Saviour. There isn't any of us here that would even think that we have earned it, that we're here because, you know, somehow or other we've been good enough. Every single one of us will tell you it's by grace and by grace alone. What does grace mean? Grace means unmerited, undeserved love and favour. It means that even though you may not have lived for God, He still loves you. Even though you may have even been against God, He still loves you. Some of the people I've loved speaking to the most over the years have been the people who were so strongly atheist in all their thinking. Because I always think, you know, if you will say yes to Jesus, wow, what a difference that'll make. You can come to Christ, make no mistake about it. You don't have to have been raised in a Christian home or a Christian country. You don't have to have been a good person. You don't have to have read the Bible. You don't have to know how to pray. All you've got to know is like this woman, she knew one thing. She wasn't a rabbi. She didn't know all the stuff. She'd never been to the school where they'd taught her all the rabbinical teaching and the 623 or whatever it is, laws of the Torah. She only knew one thing. She knew if I touch Jesus, my life changes. Can I say to you, if you will touch Jesus, come on, if you will touch Jesus, your life will change. If you'll say yes to Jesus, if you're on MetroChurch.online at the moment, that's popping up for you that yes button. And you can just click on that and it'll take you right to the next place where you say, this is what the detail I want to give. It's still private. It comes from us. It's not from anywhere else. There's no, you know, Bill Gates is not involved. Or any other tech company. It's just us wanting to help you. The people I spoke about, Sebastian and Rashida, they're the ones who do it. Come out here, Rashida. Come on out here, dear. Let them see you. Sebastian is up in the cloud somewhere, I think. Hey, how are you? Now, you work in a retirement home, don't you? Yes, that's right. Great. And you do so many other things as well. Yes. And you've been married to Sebastian for how long? 26 months. 26 months. We married you in church, didn't we? Yes, right here. Right here. We married you in a service. You both got baptised on the same night, but you didn't know each other. No, not at all. God did. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, you don't come from a Christian background, uh, but you've come to Christ. And I just know, you know, you're like Bruce Down said, they're real Christians. <laughs> Correct. Amen. <laughs> what would you say? Do you, I don't know about you, but... I kind of wish I'd said yes to Jesus earlier. Yes, no, definitely. Definitely. That's how we stand out as Christians today is because we've accepted Jesus into our hearts and we are the light of the world. So go out there and do what Jesus told us to do. Amen. What was it like, can I just ask you, you know when you gave your first yes to Christ? I know there's a lot of yeses that come after that. Yes, I'll serve you. Yes, I'll worship you. Yes, I'll all those things. But do you remember were you just like going, this is it and I've got to do it or what? Yes, definitely. It was the happiest moment of my life. Wow. And working for Jesus is, the best thing is that you get rewarded. And the reward is not little or tiny, it's huge. It's massive. We've been granted with so many good news. And there's more to come. The best is yet to come. Well done. Thank you so much. That wasn't scheduled, obviously, but thank you for that. That's great. 
Why do I ask you that? Because I want, I so want you to say yes to Christ. I want you, if you're at home right now, if you're in the service, if you're in Australia, you can just text yes, Y-E-S, to 0488-826392. You can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au or at metrochurch.org or you just click on that yes button. Give us your email address if you're overseas. We will send you every day for the next 30 days. We'll send you a Bible verse. It's different every day and a prayer different every day to help you start praying. And we'll do that so you can start walking with God. It'll be amazing. You can opt out whenever you like. There's no strings attached at all. We'll never write and ask you for money or anything like that. We want to help you grow in God. So can I pray for you? Father, thank you for those that right now, wherever they are, in the building in front of me, Lord, there may be people here today who are saying, I don't know Jesus. I really wish I did. Lord, they want to give you a yes right now from their heart. Whether they do it later via the technology that's available or whether they talk to someone in the Connect Hub or someone in the cafe, or whether they're giving it, Lord, online some way or other. I know, Lord, that you will save them because that's who you are. You're the Saviour. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.